0: The ways I pray before talking to people um, is I just I ask for for a clear heart and I ask for forgiveness for myself and um, what might sound silly enough is I, I ask for my imperfections to show so so people can see that you know I'm not trying to judge them and I'm here with them on that walk.
1: So the the way I've been praying lately um, in preparation for sharing my testimony or just witnessing for the Lord has been that the Lord would help me to see um, the way he's working around, you know, all around me, because I know he's working, he works everywhere. He's, he's working in the hearts and minds of, of all men. He loves, um, he loves people who are lost. And and so I'm asking him to help me to see opportunities for that. And to also um, recognize that sometimes it may seem at first, like, it's a closed door but that I can't perceive spiritually what's going on so I'm praying that he'll really guide me and and lead me to those moments and make it obvious because sometimes I don't always catch it and so help me to see really what he's doing and then be open to be a part of that
0: well before we go out on the streets we I always have a group of people that go with me Um, and we spend at least a half hour before we go out on the streets in prayer and we what they call popcorn prayer as we stand in a circle and we hold hands and we individually pray um, for each other and for the women and for the streets that we're getting about getting ready to walk out on um, we also before we go out there are groups of people who pray for us and pray over us uh, before we go out as we're walking the streets and when we come back um, when we end our street ministry we always pray for all of the women that we've encountered continue to pray for them throughout the week. Uh, recognizing the needs of the other people I interact with, I think, is probably the most important thing about my day and important thing about listening is I'm a teacher, so most of the time, you know, people think that teachers speak, but in my classroom, the type of kiddos I work with, it's really important to listen and not just listen to their voices, but see their see their body movements, and, and you can really pick up on how they're feeling and what they need just just by not saying a word at all. I recognize the needs of the women that I encounter, uh, mostly by their actions um, and how they are in the street. Usually, we're out at 6:30 in the morning, walking the streets. So, not too many women are out on the streets walking around unless they are um, looking for something that they shouldn't be. So, it's very obvious when when we encounter those types of women.
1: I don't think I do this awesome all the time, but. One things I'm learning about the context of people's lives is just that how to listen um, and again I think this is hard I think you know it's easy to in your mind start drawing conclusions um, about the context of people's needs and I'm trying to get better at taking my time before I draw conclusions I'm really listening and, and letting God help me to ask good questions and then to show care um, in my responses and I that's one, one way
2: hmm. Good morning guys. How are we doing today? Good. Yeah. So that was uh, Lisa and Christy and John, again, just kind of continuing to share a little bit of their story. and um, what it looks like for them is that like those are three people that are very intentional about um, sharing with other people the hope that they have and what they've experienced in Jesus. By the way, sorry that the uh, One TV is out. It went out yesterday. I guess they're only supposed to last a year after you buy them. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm glad that you're here this morning. We, we started a series last week that um, we're, we, we've called Go. We're just kind of talking about what it looks like for us to, um, I don't know, to be... To be jesus's representatives in our world and so we said last week that this is a series that we've been planning for and praying about for quite some time that it would be like part of our culture and who we are so we're if you're uh, visiting if you're newer to the church Uh, we've been around for about two and a half years not that long for a church and we're still sort of um, defining our culture here and and some of the things that we're about and what we've been praying for is that what we talk about in the series really defines a lot about who we are and that god would like light something inside of us that god would stir something ignite something inside of us um, during this series during these conversations that we have on the weekends and then hopefully um, during the conversations that you have in grace groups throughout the week as well i want to encourage you um, to, to check out a group it's a great it's a great place where you can take this stuff a lot of them follow along with the sermon you could take the stuff that we talk about here on the weekends and then process it together with other people in kind of a safe uh, circular setting small group setting um, so the prayer has been that god would like light something inside of us because the reality is you know you look at the world and you know, there's so much pain, there's so much struggle, there's so much uh, destruction, there's so much disappointment. I got up the other day, I think it was Thursday, and uh, I grabbed my computer and I went on, online, just uh, a news site, and um, one, one of the things, so CNN, one of the things on CNN is they have a little thing, it's like, five things you need to know to start your day. And they, they put that on there each day. And so I you know, I'm click, I click on it, just kind of try to be aware of what's going on. And these are the five things, ready? California wildfires. Puerto Rico destruction, Las Vegas shooting, uh, uh, this discussion about limiting immigration, you know, for people that are looking for freedom here in the United States, and then the the Boy Scouts voting to allow girls in and how the Girl Scouts are really upset about it. Those are the five things that you need to start your day. And I read these things, I'm like, that is the most depressing way to start your day ever. Like, there's not one good thing about that, you know? There's, it's, all, it's all kind of, like, bad news. And, you know, like, I think a lot of people feel like this, I don't know how to say it, this blanket of hopelessness over everything, you know? And I know there's great stuff in the world, too. I'm not saying that. But, man, there's so many people that struggle with hope, and we look at the reality of our lives and our world and our culture, and we're like, ugh. You know, and we and we want hope. Like as human beings, we're people that want hope. We're people that need hope. And so I read this. I'm like, oh, this is so depressing. It's so discouraging. And then my next thought was, that's not CNN's job to bring hope. They're reporting the news, right? Whose job is it to bring hope to the world? Us, right? Like that's that's the that's the purpose of the church. The church brings hope to the world. The church is the hope for the world. And I don't mean that like you know, we bring hope by just encouraging people to, to hang on, you know, hang in there. Hold on, it's not that bad. That's not how we bring hope. We bring hope because we believe that there's a God who can change the world. You know, the the pain, the suffering, the destruction, the violence, all of this stuff. We believe that God can change the world as he changes us, as he works inside of our hearts. Like that's what God does, he takes ashes, we just sang about this, he makes ashes and he makes beautiful things out of it, right? He takes messes and he brings beauty out of those things. And so you and I, like the privilege that we have as we look at at this world, the privilege that we have is like we are uh, gospel carriers. You know, like we, we have the good news. If you sit here this morning and you would identify yourself as a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, then like you have the gospel living inside of you, right? The good news of Jesus Christ living inside of you. And what we have the privilege of doing and really the responsibility of doing as well is that we get to tell the world that's struggling, that's wrestling with hopelessness, that there's a God who loves you and there's a God who wants to draw you in and have a relationship with you, and he wants to transform you. He wants to give you peace, and he wants to transform you. And so this morning, as we, as we like, dig into this, on um, the series that we're in, I would really love it. if you, First of all, if you sit here this morning and you're like, I'm not a Christian, I'm evaluating all this stuff, I'm seeing if this is for me, you know, let me say this. It's, I think it's great that you're here, and I hope that you can be comfortable and you can like, take in some of this stuff that we're saying if you're a christian this morning and you sit here i i really want you to do the hard work of taking what we're talking about the things that we sing about on i guess it's not on that screen this screen right the things that we sing about on these screens the things that we talk about in the bible take it and personalize it to your life do the hard work of not just letting it be words in the air words in a screen but personalize it to your life listen if you're if you're a christian take this personally you are the hope for the world and you, you are the hope for the world. And some of us have broad influence and some of us have smaller influence, but we all have influence one way or another with one group of people or another group of people. And so as we dig into this stuff this weekend, like personalize it, you, you are the gospel bearer. You are the hope for the world. And that's really what the series is about. You know, we're kind of talking about what it looks like for us to be, um, to, to go. to to go, and the terminology that we use at Grace Church is give it away. Know it, live it, give it away, and it is the gospel. What does it look like for us to give the gospel away in our lives? And so as uh, the last week, I guess last weekend when we launched the series, we looked at two key words, two key names that were called in the Bible, people that are Christians. This is what God calls us in the Bible, two things. The first one is ambassador, it says you are Christ's, ambassador. so it's in 2 Corinthians 5, it says we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So basically said, we said, hey, we know what an ambassador is. An ambassador essentially is a representative. And we said, what's it saying here? You and I are God's representatives in this world. We're like his stand-ins. We are his authorized representatives. And so again, start to take that personally. Like wherever you go, whatever you do, you are representing Jesus, you are representing God, wherever you go, right, that's, that's like serious responsibility. The second thing, the one that we spent most of our time talking about, the second name that God calls us in the Bible is witness, and so Jesus says in Acts eight he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He said, we're going to be his witnesses. So that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, that's like everywhere. It's like these concentric circles. So he's talking to his disciples originally, but it's extended to us as well. And when that word that uh, we translate in our Bibles as witnesses, when you look at that word in the original language, in the Greek, it sounds very similar to the word martyr, in english in fact when you read it in greek it sounds like martyr and it's where we get the word martyr from in our english language as well so you stop and you think about that and you think like what is a witness what is like what does a witness for christ look like well it's someone who will testify over and over and over again for who jesus is and what jesus has done no matter what the cost this is a big deal right no matter even even if it means our lives that's what Jesus means when he says, you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we kind of dug into that and we said, what does it look like then for us to be witnesses? Like in our, in our world, in our culture today, what does that look like? And so we crafted this sentence that, uh, that we sort of built on throughout the rest of our time last week. And we started off, we said, being a witness is making the name of Jesus famous. That's what it is. Being a witness is making the name of Jesus famous. And so we live in a world where fame is like really valued, right, like everybody wants to be famous at some level, everybody wants to make a name for themselves. But we said, no, 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 being a Christian is not about making a name for myself. Being a Christian is about making the name of Jesus famous. It's about making a name for him, right? And then we went on and we said, and we don't do this alone, but we do it empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we make the name of Jesus famous, not in our own strength, not by ourselves, we're not alone in this, there's this incredible promise. It's in numerous places throughout the New Testament that if, if you sit here today, and I'll be honest with you, I have not, I cannot wrap my brain around this. If you sit here today and you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and me. Like think about the power that is like at our disposal as we give him leadership in our lives and take away our leadership, right? Like we give him, we give it over to him. And then we said, and we do it with genuine love. So it's making the name of Jesus famous, not alone, but empowered by the Holy Spirit with genuine love. And we said, listen, it's about like really loving people. So we looked at this, uh, this video, this testimony last week and we're like, if we really believe this stuff is true, and I would challenge you this morning as you sit here, if you really believe this in the Bible, you know, that there's a heaven and there's a hell and there's an eternity and that God loves us and God sent Jesus to die for us and it's through him that we, are, we go to one of those two, like if we get that, if we believe that, man, the most loving thing that we could do is stop worrying about uh, everybody being uncomfortable and love people enough to tell them about the hope that we have. In a way that's not weird, I get that, but man loving them enough to share the hope that we have in Jesus. So he said with genuine love. And then we ended our, our uh, conversation last week and we said we do it as a light to the world. So like the, the, the Bible is really clear. You and I can't save anybody. <laughs> you know, I, I don't save anybody. God does that. My job, my responsibility is to be his light. It's to take the light of, the glo- of God's glory in the face of Christ that lives inside of me And to let it out and to let it shine not to cover it with a bowl right but to let it out and so that's where we went last week and we just kind of dug into that and we laid this foundation with that that over the next few weeks we want to build on that foundation so um these so we have three more weeks left in this series in this series we have four things now that we want to talk about these next three weeks that kind of build on this foundation of you and i being witnesses for jesus that we talked about last week um, so the staff you know as we've been praying about this and planning for this like we put a lot of time and thought into into what this looks like that, y- that we could walk out of here and we could remember like as you go out and you think i want to i want to go i want to give it away i want to be a witness for jesus what does that look like for me we have four words we can remember four words right we could especially remember four words if they rhyme so we worked really hard to rhyme here, here's what we're going to talk about for over the next few weeks the first one is prayer the second one is aware. The third one is care. And the fourth one is share. Prayer, aware, care, and share. And we said, if we could get this, we're gonna dig in, we're gonna flesh these out. First, we're gonna do the first two here this morning. Then the next couple of weeks, we're gonna dig into the last two. We thought, if we could remember this and flesh this out in our lives as we go and we have conversations with people, it makes, it'll make all the difference in the world. It'll make all the difference in the world. So this is where we're gonna go over the rest of this series. So uh, uh, yeah, a month and a half ago, before that, so we did the previous series that we did, Um, before this one was on relationships and then the one before that we did a long series on jesus on the life of jesus and we dug into a whole bunch of different components to the life of jesus but we ended that series looking at some of the different prayers of jesus the ways in which jesus prayed and and what those prayers looked like and so i want to remind you just a couple things that we said from that like as we start thinking about prayer in terms of you and i going and being witnesses for jesus let me remind you about a couple things first one is like sometimes we can to make prayer so crazy right all prayer is is my personal conversation with god that's a personal conversation with god it's not about being elegant in my prayers you know it's not about i have to pray the right words it's about talking and listening to god it's about pouring it's about my heart connecting with god's heart with honesty with transparency and so i, I like i lay my heart out before him What does that look like? Like, what should that look like? What does prayer look like in our lives? Worship him. Acknowledge who he is. I recognize, God, who you are compared to who I am. So the only appropriate response is to worship you, right? Worship. What else does it look like? Uh, Voice my love for him. I tell him how much I love him, how committed to him I am, how much I adore him. How about this? Thank him for his love for me and what he's done in my life. What does prayer look like? I, I take a sober inventory of my life and I confess to him the things that I've done wrong. Like I'm honest before him, I don't pretend like I'm perfect. And then I don't just say, well, I'm not perfect, no one's perfect. I think through my imperfections and I confess those to him and I thank him for his forgiveness. He's already forgiven us because of what's happened at the cross, but we remember and we thank him for his forgiveness for those things. And then, what else with prayer? We ask him for things. Sometimes that could be the sole focus of our prayers if we're not careful. It's just ask, 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 ask. Because I got all this stuff in my life, the people that I love have all this stuff in their lives. And that's not all prayer should be, you know me asking. But man, that's some of what prayer should be. I ask for my needs. I ask for the needs of my loved ones. I ask for the needs of the world. See what prayer does, it's personal conversation with God, but what prayer does is it shows our dependence on God. Right? Prayer shows my dependence on God. See, sometimes we can think that we're really in control in this life, you know? Like, there's some things I can control. You know, when you wake up in the morning, I decide if I'm gonna wear black socks or white socks. I make that decision myself. I decide if I'm gonna have a hamburger for lunch or if I'm gonna have a salad for lunch. I decide if I'm going to get gas in my car on the way to church or the way home from church. Those are big decisions, right? I have power over those decisions no those aren't those aren't big decisions those are small things and sometimes we can be tricked into thinking well if we have control of those small decisions those small things then we also have control over the big things it's not true it's an illusion right it's a mirage and sometimes we're opened up to that that reality like think about some of the big things in life and how little control we really have over them I have almost no control of a disease taking over my body. I have all, I mean maybe the food that we eat contributes to that, but I have no control whether or not I get cancer in my life or not. Like we have very little control think about like our our jobs our work like we have very little control over the success of our organization maybe the higher you go maybe the more control you have but the reality is like our jobs and the stability of our jobs is so dependent on so many other people and ultimately dependent on god as well think about like the health of our children like how much control do i really have over the health of my kids not much in the reality. I, I think about this one. I think about this one a lot. Like you, we, we get in a 2,000 pound piece of metal and plastic and we drive 50 miles an hour down a one, lo- one lane road with a yellow line separating another car that's driving in the opposite direction in a 2,000 pound piece of metal and plastic 50 miles an hour right at us and it's going to pass us with 15 feet in between us. Like how much control do we have in a situation like that? Very little. Like I have almost no control, and yet God does. Right? Like God controls everything. And what my prayer does, prayer for me, shows that I understand that. I'm not really in control, but God is. And so what do I do? I approach him for help because I depend on him, right? Prayer shows my dependence on God, and of course, the Bible talks about this in lots of different places, over and over again. Like how big and powerful God is, and how really small and uh, and how much li- how little control you and I have. So there's there's passage. I love this passage in Zechariah 4:6. He says, "Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit," says the Lord Almighty. Not us, but Him. Like we don't win the battles of our life through our might and through our power, but they're won by God's spirit. James 4.2, so, I love James, he's so blunt. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because, he doesn't say you do not have because you didn't work hard. He doesn't say you do not have because you didn't try hard. He says you do not have because you didn't ask. God is the one who's in control. At the end of James, the last chapter of James, James chapter five, he talks a lot about prayer I read you this, this, he, this is verse 13. He says, if anyone among, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they sin, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I read that, and I'm like, those are really strong words. Like, those are, those are really strong promises that God makes there about how much he's in control and, how, and really how little control we have and how dependent on him we should be. So I'll begin to apply this idea of prayer and dependence on God to our discussion of going and being witnesses listen I can't change anybody right and neither can you I can't change my children I can't change my wife my wife can't change me right I can't change my friends I can't change my neighbors I can't change anybody however I I may be able to manipulate emotions for a little bit of time I may be able to affect behaviors for a little bit of time but God's the one who changes people God's the one who works in people's hearts and he wants to do that, and he does do that. Guys, listen, if we wanna make an impact on this world, and, and really specifically this community that we're in, we have gotta be people that go to God and depend on God in prayer. Like if you sit here this morning, and, you, and again, you're a Christian, prayer should be a huge part of our lives. And, and it's challenging, right? But I go to God and I talk to him, I go to God And i listen to him i go to god and i depend on him and then i go out to the world and so it's circular i talk to god i listen to god i depend on god and then i go and then i continue to talk to god and and shut up (laughs) that's a bad word in our house i'm not saying it to you guys but i shut up and stop just talking to god and i listen to him sometimes it's hard to hear his voice it's especially hard to hear his voice when we keep talking and talking and talking, right? So I talk to him, I listen to him, and then I depend on him, and then I go. Last week we talked about you know, this, this idea of, of the Spirit empowering us. That passage in uh, Acts 1, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. And I thought about that a lot this week. Like, I don't think that we could be people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit in our lives unless we're also people of prayer. Like, if you look at your life and you're like, I, I want this, like, that's crazy. The Spirit of God lives inside of me. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. I wanna give that Spirit power in my life. I don't think we could do that unless we're people of prayer, unless we make that a priority in our lives. One, one of my old seminary professors who writes a lot on, on prayers, and it's Chuck Lawless, he said it this way, I thought this was very insightful. He says, I know very few people who don't struggle with prayer. This is, this is a seminary professor. He's taught lots of pastors and future pastors. I know very few people who don't struggle with prayer. We know we should pray, but doing so consistently and fervently is not easy. Most of our praying is reactionary, that is in response to a problem rather than proactive lifestyle praying. And I read that and I think, I I really agree with that. I'm not sure I've ever met somebody who's like, satisfied with their prayer life and most people are like i don't know i know i should be praying more i'm busy and i don't make enough time and i feel guilty about it i know i should be praying more that's what most people respond like and yet god is so gracious to us like he's so kind i think so understanding of our humanity i don't know if guilt is the feeling that we should feel that way but I think we gotta be people that are challenging each other over and over again to be people of prayer, especially if we wanna be empower, an empowered witness for Jesus. And so here's my question to you. What does prayer look like in your life? Because like you think about you. If you sit here this morning and you're not a Christian, then th- like this is important for you to think through and to understand, but you're kind of off the hook with this question. If you sit here this morning and you are a Christian, like, what does it look like in your life? I don't say that to, guilt, to make you feel guilty, but just to challenge you. Like, are our prayers, like, like uh, Chuck Lawless said, are our prayers more reactionary? Like, life's happening, and now I feel like I gotta pray, I gotta get down on my knees, I, gotta ask, I have nowhere else to turn, I gotta ask God for help? Or is it more proactive? I think the very nature of what we're talking about, going, giving it away, is proactive. I think by, by the very nature like, no one's forcing you or me to do that. God gives us tons of freedom. He doesn't force us to do that. But we only do that when we take the initiative and step out and do it. So, how are you proactively praying that God would use you in the lives of other people? We'll, we'll kind of circle back around to that here at the end. But I think, I think this idea of prayer, you know, as we've been spending a lot of time thinking through this series, I think prayer is the foundation and is the starting point as we talk about going. Uh, a couple weekends ago, I was out back and I was chopping some wood, which makes me, I'll be honest, it makes me feel kind of manly. It makes me feel kind of tough, you know, wielding an ax and chopping some wood. And so I had a, I had a pine tree, that, especially when I had my big beard, I felt like a lumberjack. I'd wear like my overalls and my flannel. I felt really cool. Anyway, um, so we had a big pine tree that we, that we had taken down in, I believe it was april it was like very early spring and so i had them like chop the trunk up so that um you know we could burn it in the fireplace for for firewood and then somebody said you know you're not supposed to burn pine in the fireplace it's bad for your fireplace i'm like oh great okay we'll use it for the fire pit right so so they chop this thing up and i'm like feeling good like i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna chop i like to work out i like to exercise i'm gonna chop some wood i'm gonna be constructive with my workouts and so like i went out one day and i was maybe out there for 20 minutes i was like chopping some stuff and I was like, wow, this is terrible. Like this is so much work and it's taking so, so long. And so I, I stopped, I went like 20 minutes and then I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this. And so I, literally six months later, two weeks ago, I'm feeling so guilty. I see those logs out there under this, this other pine tree all the time. I'm like, I gotta do something with this. And so I went and I got a new splitter, like a, a good heavy duty splitter. And I'm like, it's going to be a good teaching experience. Me and Luke, like man time, we're out there and chop some wood. And so we go out. I had a little hatchet for him, you know, <laughs> a little small thing, which is probably not smart. But anyway, so uh, I go out there, and I'm, I'm like 20 minutes into it. I'm chopping this wood. And 20 minutes in, I'm like, this is still terrible. Like this, it is going so, so slow. And Luke's wielding his little, you know, hatchet thing. I'm thinking like, he's going to get hurt. I know he's going to get hurt. So 20 minutes in, two of my neighbors come over on a tractor, it's great. They come over on this tractor and they're towing behind them a gas powered log splitter. And it's like, ah, you know, as they're coming in. And so they walk up, they, they drive up, and they you know, take it off there, and they're like, hey, you know, you could do it the hard way, what you're doing, or you could do it the easy way. You want to do it the easy way? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it the easy way. So these guys come, and it took them like 20 minutes. It would have taken me three hours. It took them 20 minutes to split these logs for me. And I'm like, I literally did nothing. I'm like, gopher boy. I'm like, well, I'll just move this one for you, you know? And, they, and, and I, I st- so 20 minutes, they're done, they move on and i step back and i think man i am like so grateful for them doing that they they literally gave me two three hours of my life back that i would have had to have spent chopping that wood and they didn't have to do any of it right like no one compelled them no one forced them to do that why did they do it why do you think they did that they're nice guys right and they became aware of a need that a neighbor had me and they had the capacity to do something about it. They had the capacity to help. It would cost them 20 minutes of their life, right? But they had the capacity to help, and so they did. They came over and they helped. And what cost them 20 minutes, literally 20 minutes, made a huge impression on me. Guys, let me ask you, how aware are you to the needs of those around you? Like in your own life. Like these guys, I don't know if they heard me, if they looked out the window and they saw and they're like, hey, let's go help this knucklehead. I don't know what that, at some point they became aware of this and they came over to help. Like how aware are we of the needs of those around us? I think some of us are maybe a little bit more naturally um, attuned to the needs uh, and the struggles and the feelings maybe of those around us. I think others of us maybe are less naturally attuned to those things. You know, we're a little bit more oblivious to those things. And yet I really believe if we would go to God, and am going to say, God, make me aware of the needs of those around me. Like, help me see it. And then intentionally, when we're done praying, we're looking for those needs. We're not looking past people, we're not looking through people, but we're looking at people and the kind of needs that they have in their life, we would see them. Like, it, it, would, it would change everything. And the Bible talks about this too, guy, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, he writes a letter to the Christians in Philippi, it's called the Philippians, and he says this, and this is really, it's really all about awareness. This is Philippians 2, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking, not being aware of our own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's a passage that's it's all about awareness, right? I'm not looking, I'm not selfish. I'm not looking just at me and my needs, but I'm looking to the interests of other people. I'm aware of the interests of other people. And I don't know how you feel, like I, I, those two verses on my notes here, you look at them on the screen, they look so innocent. They're just words on a screen. They're just concepts in the air. I mean, that's really hard to flesh that out in our lives to selflessly put aside our own interests and look toward the interests of others. We talked about selflessness a couple weeks ago. Remember this? We said the key to selflessness, if we want to become more selfless, not more selfish, but selfless, the way to grow in selflessness is to grow in spiritual maturity. Remember that? We said as we become more spiritually mature, we become more selfless. As, As I cultivate my relationship with God and I get to know, I spend more time with Jesus and I get to know him better, what happens? I become like him. The things that he loves, I love. The, thing that he, the things that he hates, I hate. And you look at who Jesus was and what his life has been like. He came to pour out his life for other people, to suffer and die to give his life the most selfless act ever for other people. And the more time that we spend with him, the more that we become like him. It's challenging, right? Right? Not looking to your own, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I, I've shared in here lots of times about um, about my wife and I, my wife's Marcia, and how yeah we're just we're just different, which is awesome. Like I love it. Like differences can uh, frustrate us and annoy us, or they can like pull us toward people. You know. And so I, I I think I know for sure I've learned a lot from her. I think she's learned some stuff from me too. Um, I, I, I made the mistake of saying in the first service last night, I always ask Marsha before I can tell stories. And literally, as I was saying it, I was like, ooh, I forgot to ask Marsha if I could tell the story this weekend. Anyway, so my wife and I are um, are really different people. And it's interesting to see how those differences sort of flesh themselves out in things around the house that we become aware of, right? So my wife is... Um, she would call herself like a clean freak. You know, she's, she's kind of a neat freak. And I like things clean, but I don't think I'm a clean freak. But I, on the other hand, am like slightly um, OCD with things. You know, like I like things lined up and in their place. Like before you guys get here any weekend, I'm, I'm making sure these chairs are like straight and in the right places. Like that's just how I'm wired. And so it's funny to see like how that's who she is, this is who I am, how that sort of causes us to be aware of different needs around the house. For example, uh, my wife, she, she uh, like may walk in, we have uh, hardwood floors, so it's fall. So say there's like a leaf on the floor. She would walk into the room and she would immediately notice that leaf on the floor, even if it like is perfectly camouflaged with the wood. And the first thing that she would do is she would go over and she would pick that leaf up and throw it in the trash can. That's how she is, like she's a neat freak that way. I wouldn't even see the leaf, but if I walk into the family room and the coffee table is like slightly off center from the couch, I can't rest until I fix that coffee table. Right? Or, or like at the end of the night, if uh, the kids, uh, I don't know, eat something late and they take their dish and they just and they drop it in the sink. Marcia, if she was aware of it, she wouldn't be able to to go to bed. She wouldn't be able to sleep that night if that dirty dish was still in the sink. And so, like, she'll have to go over and she'll and she'll have to you know wash the dish. And I'm like, like that, I couldn't care less with that. I, I, it doesn't make a bit of difference. But if I walk into the kitchen and like the chairs around the kitchen table are not pushed in with the placemats lined perfectly in front of them. I'm going bonkers, right? Like this is just how she and I are wired. Our differences make us aware of different things around the house and I don't think it's just different things around the house. I think we broaden this out. So think not just me and my wife, but each of us. Our differences make us aware of different needs that other people have, different struggles that other people have, and the different feelings that other people are feeling. Let me give you an example. Some of us, because of the way that we're wired, because of the way that God wired us, are very aware and sensitive to other people's struggles with addiction, for example. Like we just, uh, we're sensitive to it, we're aware of it. Maybe we went through it, maybe we didn't. Others of us, because of the way that God has wired us, we become very aware and very sensitive to other people's struggles in the world with poverty, homelessness, or hunger. Others of us, because of the way that we're wired, we look at people and we're just so aware when somebody doesn't have a mother figure in their life or a father figure in their life, loving them, teaching them right from wrong. Other people look at kids in school and like, because of the way that they're wired, they recognize when a kid is struggling and hurting and they gotta do something about it. My neighbors, for example, I think with both of these guys, I don't think both of these guys would want to give me a counseling session that's not how they're wired but they want they look outside and they see me like struggling with this you know with this axe trying to chop this wood and they're like i can help with that i recognize the need and i can do something i can give 20 minutes of my life and the right tool to solve the problem that he has Guys, okay, so go back to the philippians passage that we looked at because let me ask you a question because you're you what sorts of uh, interests of others, think like the needs, the struggles, the feelings of other people, are you especially sensitive to? That you may need to look to their interests ahead of, their own, ahead of your own. Does it make sense? Because of the way that you're wired, because you're you, God made you exactly who you, he wanted you to be. What sort of like, struggles and challenges that other people feel do you immediately recognize? You see it. And there's something triggered inside of your heart that maybe god is saying i want you to care for their need right now instead of your need it looks different for each of us the other day i was um, sitting on my couch on uh, usually when i prepare for this when i prepare for sermons i don't do it here at the church i do it at my house because it just kind of helps me focus a little bit more and so i'm sitting on my couch in my living room literally with my laptop on my lap i 'm working i 'm kind of getting into things i 'm focused on it, and then at some point, so I should say this, so at w- our house, we have these huge mature trees, like we have these two gigantic oak trees in the front of our house, a couple really big maple trees, another pine trees that 's what so we have so we have like this um, forest ecosystem, all just within our yard. And so there's all kinds of animals. There's birds everywhere. There's chipmunks. There's squirrels. Um, we've seen turkeys, deer, all this sort of stuff in our yard, okay? So, so anyway, so I'm sitting on my couch, typing away, praying, talking to the Lord, and all of a sudden, I hear this chirp, 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 chirp. like a cadence, like it was perfectly timed. You know, it's like a metronome chirp. I don't know. And so I keep hearing this, and, I, and, and at one point, I'm like, I I can't take this anymore. You know, like when when something just keeps going and going and then you can't hear anything else but the chirping. And so I'm like, I can't take this anymore. So I set my, my laptop down and I get up and I go to the window and I'm like trying to look out the window at the trees. I'm like, what is wrong with this bird? Why is it chirping? And so I'm like smushing my head up against the window looking for it. And I can't I can't see the bird. I'm looking on the ground, maybe the bird is like in distress and he's hurting, or whatever. And so I can't see it. And so I open the window. And as I open the window, it make a little noise, right? I open the window and then it stops. I'm like, whew, it stopped, good. Sit back on the couch, grab my laptop, literally two minutes later, chirp, 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 chirp. And I'm like, ah! So I get back up again and I go over that same window. This time I take the screens out of the window so I can like get a better look. And I'm looking out and I can't, it's just going. I can't, see, I can't see this bird. And so um, I must've looked like an absolute fool. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> stop! And so I stopped. Like when I made noises, it stopped. And so I put the screen back in. I go sit back on the couch. And it stopped for a little bit. And then a little bit later, I had to go to the bathroom. You know, drink coffee. So I had to go to the bathroom. I get up and I go into the bathroom. Literally on my way to the bathroom, I hear chirp, 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 chirp. And so I, my bathroom has a window. I look out the window of my bathroom, and there's this chipmunk on its hind legs going chirp and so I'm like so frustrated until I see this chipmunk and then I'm like oh it's a chipmunk that's really interesting like my frustration's gone and so as I like leave the bathroom it stopped which I'm like that's good and the first thing that I do is I go to my computer and I google why do chipmunks chirp like it was the first was the exact words that I google why do chipmunks chirp and so what I found out and this is really interesting what I found out is that chipmunks chirp when they sense a threat right and so this chipmunk is sitting on my on my deck on its hind legs chirping and it was in some sort of turmoil like it had a need and as stupid as this sounds like this is where my brain went like as i recognized by its chirp that it had a need its chirp its need frustrated me right like it annoyed me to death and so you know i'm I'm going back to my sermon i'm like god there must be a sermon illustration in here somewhere right what are you what are you trying to teach me and so you you think about that and we man can't we do the same thing with people Like when we see people's needs, when we see people's struggles, when when somebody's dealing with hard stuff, can't it sound like chirping sometimes to us? And we're like, frustrated, just stop, ah, right? No more, instead of like genuinely caring Becoming lovingly aware. So I'm not a rhyming guy, so it's so stupid, but this is how it popped into my mind. Throw that next slide up there. We need to be lovingly aware instead of having a critical glare. It's so stupid, I'm sorry, that's a terrible rhyming thing. But, but don't, don't miss the point, right? Like we can, as we talk about becoming aware to the needs that people have, I think God wants us to not get frustrated, right? To not be irritated to not be annoyed by those things, impatient with those needs. Instead to become lovingly aware so that when we could do something. And the Bible talks about this too, you know in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, there's all kinds of these one another passages, you know like love one another, care for one another. Da, 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 da. Some of them are like directly related to this idea, not getting frustrated with one another. Well, Ephesians 4.2 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, right? James 5, 9 says, don't grumble against each other. Don't grumble against one another. It's easy to do that. I become aware of your need, and I go, ah, is, some of that's by your own choice, frustrated with you. And we can get annoyed, and we can grumble. James, uh, Romans fifteen seven says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Guys, I think about I go back to my neighbors and I think about my neighbors and like to them it was a really small thing what, what they did. Like they had a tool. It didn't actually cost them a whole lot of exertion energy. It cost them 20 minutes of their life. But I look at that and I think like their, their awareness of my, my problem, my struggle that I was in and their willingness to care for me which we're going to talk about care next week. That's where we're going to spend our time. But their willingness to care for me man, that really spoke to me. And what, and what it caused me to do was trust them. See, we're, we just moved into this house about a year ago, so we're like still getting to know these neighbors. In fact, one of them, one of the guys that helped me, it was the very first time that I met him. I just hadn't, we just hadn't crossed paths before. And so he comes over and he helps. And I'm like, I can trust you. I understand your intentions now. I, I can see that you care. And I think, guys, man, we need to be thinking that way too. Like that, that's how you and I need to be. Sometimes when we talk about, when we think about sharing the gospel with others, going and giving it away, sharing the gospel with others, we can get this image, this picture of like pushing our beliefs on other people in a cold way, in an impersonal way. But that's wrong. Like that is, that is not what we're talking about. I don't think that that's the best way that you and I could be a witness for Jesus in our culture today. Instead, we genuinely love other people deeply enough to give them what Jesus says is the only way to peace, the only way to forgiveness, the only way to salvation, himself, right? Christ crucified for us. And loving people enough to share the hope that we have in Jesus, man, it's first gotta begin with prayer for us. It's it's gotta begin with going to God and asking for his help to give us eyes to see, and having an awareness of what people are dealing with, what people are feeling, and only after that, like we've gone to God and we've asked for his help, we've looked at people, not through people, right? Only after that can we move to actually doing something to help them, and Lord willing, having an opportunity to tell them about the hope that we have in Christ. So so here's how I wanna challenge you, here's how I wanna end. Two, two things, two challenges. First one is who are three people Three people in your life that you are connected to, you have a relationship with, that are apart from Jesus, that do not know that there is a God who loves them, who cares for them, who wants to have a relationship with them, who wants to offer them peace and forgiveness. Like, who are three people in your life and would you be willing to pray for them, not just one day, not just twice a week, but like, would you commit to pray for them very regularly? That God would do something and say, remember, we can't do it. I can't, I can't save anybody. But he can. Like, would you be willing to pray for them that God would stir something inside of them where they are uncomfortable and discontent without Jesus? That's the first thing. Who, like, who are, who are your three? The second thing is, will you ask God to make you aware of their struggles and their needs and their feelings? Like when you ask God to, that it's not just Him do everything. He actually allows us to be part of the process. Would you ask Him to make you aware of the needs that they have, the things that they're feeling, that you could do something about it? And then would we extend that and ask God to make us aware of the needs of other people around us? We got a lot. Like think about the number of people. I don't know. There's maybe eighty people in this room. Think about the number of people that you and I interact with every day, just the people in this room. Thousands, I'm sure, right? Man, if we pray that God would make us aware of what they're walking through, what they're feeling, what they're dealing with, imagine then how he could use that to open up a door for us to tell about the gospel. So that's my challenge to you. Who are three people in your life? Would you pray for them that God would open up their hearts and would you pray that God would make each of us aware of the things going on in their lives and in the lives of those around us. And if we do that, man, I cannot, I cannot wait to see how God responds with that. Like if we're faithful in those things, how he'll respond in changing people's lives.